Welcome to the IBM Podcast Network. TFG Interviews is an IBM production and you can also check out their other awesome shows like Simplified, a show that explains intense topic from around the world and simplifies it for you so that you can up your cooler in front of your friends. You're listening to TFG Interviews. Well, this is a new episode of the TFG Interview Podcast because this is where we get exclusive interview stories, chats with players, coaches, owners, etc., etc. But everyone related to sports and uh, mm. sports field. And today we have an owner of a football club, uh, mm. Fateh Hyderabad. Uh, he goes by the name Yogesh Morya. Chiranjit was in conversation with him, and they finished fourth in the second division this yeah. season. Uh, well, Chiranjit, why don't you give us some just about what the conversation was about? Yeah, so first of all, this is like a more than an hour mm. of just uh, two people talking football. So yeah. if you if you're not into really geeky details about uh, how football is run and uh, what uh, how varied the visions for the future can be for Indian football, maybe this is not for you. Mm. Uh, but that's just, the heads up. But if you love it, hang in there. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to talk to him because uh, Fateh Hyderabad Athletic and uh, football club they have sort of a very different model and uh, mode of existence from most other clubs in india and uh, the kind of vision they have come in with uh, it, it's it's a bit refreshing and uh, a, a lot more mature Uh, mm. from what we see from uh, some of the i league biggies okay as well as isl teams you know it's it's a proper long term vision and it's so rare in indian football right now so i wanted uh, to have him talk in length hmm. about that yeah i think uh, you were you wanted to do this for a very long time and finally yeah, you got I, it yeah seriously uh, and hyderabad is close to my heart because <laughs> I, i studied there uh, during my masters and it's great to see a, a club coming out of there and uh, he's he's a former player Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up in the US. Uh, he he was playing, uh, and uh, he's got an AFC B license. Okay. So he he's also the coach of the team. Okay, and I Sweet. was I was kind of curious to get into uh, how it is for an owner to also be the coach, coach and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> you know, talk about different hats and everything. So yeah, j- just listen to him and uh, sort of notice the uh, the difference. that we see in indian football now where uh, player contracts are don't exceed one year and mm. uh, everything is about breaking even in the next 3 years or mm. making profit right now right. and attracting attracting sponsors and this approach that you know it can be done another way as well and have real impact in football development so uh, yeah please listen in yeah you know uh, when we hear about uh, hyderabad we don't really think of uh, it as a footballing city i mean it, it has produced some really good players in the past but uh, you know recent times we have not seen any teams uh, or even the andhra pradesh uh, team in santosh trophy doing well or there being much of a uh, football following it it's something like pune you know the situation there so what what prompted you to start a club from uh, hyderabad well i knew Um, first of all, my family's from Hyderabad originally, so okay. I knew a lot about Hyderabad. Yeah, many businesses here in Hyderabad over my career, and yeah. I was very familiar with the city. Yeah, and knowing the past history and that you know there is still a lot of football being played in Hyderabad, uh, I thought, um, why not make this contribution and and. You know, uh, it was always a, a wish of my 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 father that I would do something in football for Hyderabad because he had witnessed its decline in its later years. And yeah. So uh, you spent uh, a number of years abroad, right? And uh, so, so what what was it that drove you to? You're talking about the fifth or the sixth largest city of India with no professional football team, so it seemed like a good choice, an obvious choice, really. And it's also, it's well located. We're, you know, we're we're well connected to all the different geographies of India as well. So, uh, was it just a family connection or something more than that that prompted you to, you know, after spending a number of years abroad, uh, come to India and do something in football? Yeah, I mean, I was a player my whole life in America and I obviously I had a connection to Hyderabad's past. Yeah. When I was a child, you know, my father made sure I was quite aware of Hyderabad's glorious history. So, 
there is a bit of an emotional connection to it. And having lived here and worked here for many years, it seemed like the obvious choice for us. We could have gone many places. Um, I know that. Um, and probably there's more obvious choices in terms of football being more developed. Yeah. But for our project being a long-term project and uh, having a long-term outlook, uh, you know, and had about, you know, kind of hungry to have a team. Yeah. It seemed like the smart thing to do to set ourselves up here. And, uh, you know, you have an opportunity. You basically have a blank sheet of paper. We could take some risk. We could try some things. And naturally, the Federation wanted to see football coming out of Hadibad as well. So we had a, we had a match uh, in terms of, you know, our ambition and what the, uh, the AFF wanted to see coming out of South India. So, uh, you know, going into business in Hyderabad, you know, as a, as a uh, club that's starting from scratch, you know, just uh, first you worked on your academy and slowly started to build from there. At a time when, uh, you know, the, all the headlines are grabbed by, uh, you know, the, the team splashing money or ISL or I-League and uh, all the drama that's happening at the top of the pyramid, what is life like for a in a second division club like Fateh Hyderabad, which is just trying to build on a smaller scale and expand from there? It's just as busy, just as challenging as uh, any football club is to run. It's just that, you know, we don't have as much coverage for obvious reasons. Uh, but the work is just as hard. It's just as challenging. Um and it's just as enjoyable. I mean, I didn't get into uh, into this as a, a full time endeavor and and take all this on because we were looking for headlines. You know, we just loved the game and wanted to see if we could contribute something. And maybe if we're doing some things in a in a different manner and thinking about football challenges uh, in a different way and maybe offering some solutions that are alternative to what some others are doing, and that helps, that'd be great. All right. So, you know, you started off uh, as an academy, and, uh, you know, just, just starting from the scratch and coming uh, all the way here now that uh, you have a rather young team, which is, you know, doing doing reasonably well in the second division, reached the final round of the second division, you know, division league this season. So, how how uh, does one make that uh, progress? You know, what are the big challenges that you have to overcome uh, when you move from uh, an, an early grassroots or academy-based organization to a professional side? Well, you have to, first of all, you have to have the financing because it costs more money. That's, yeah. that's a very simple equation. The second thing is you have to figure out uh, how to be competitive, keeping in mind that uh, signing your players on multi-year contracts and keeping them year-round is basically not feasible because this year the second division ran from January to May. I mean, it was five months. So yeah. if you even think uh, a one-month season is preseason is worthwhile or even two months, what do you do with your players for the other five months? Mm. So uh, I think... It's enormously challenging because you have to be able to take quick decisions with incomplete information and put together a good portion of your team closer to the start uh, yeah. of the of the competition. At least in our case, in some, uh, if you're in another state where their state league is a more prolonged uh, competition, more competitive competition, then maybe your considerations are different. And it's not like I can field a completely local team here in Hyderabad. Mm. Uh, the cha if we want to be really, really competitive right now, uh, I, I'd like to have more players from Hyderabad in our team. But um, right now, we do have to face the reality that to be as competitive as we've been, um, and this year especially, we have to bring in some players from outside. So that's part of the challenge, uh, is how do you use your resources given that the right decision is never obvious. So is it uh, a bit of an extra challenge to get financing for a club 
in the in the lower division considering all the eyeball and sponsors are going towards the top of the ter- pyramid absolutely i mean our games are on televised this year they streamed a few games uh, and it's very hard to schedule all your games on the weekend because if you're using a municipal stadium like most of the teams are there's often conflicts with dates and uh, there's also an attempt to keep travel costs low. So if, if a team is visiting one team on a weekend, they'll want to finish, you know, if there's another game within uh, that particular region, they'll want to finish that game midweek and come back. So you lose a, a, a weekend date. Yeah. Uh, so those are challenges. But again, you have to decide what is your objective and why are you doing it? You know, why are you in that league and what are you trying to achieve? No matter which league you're in in India and, and around the world really in in football at least you have to be prepared to face that you're going to operate in the red yeah. um, and you have to have I think you have to have very clear goals of why you're doing what you're doing and what you're trying to ultimately get out of it and you know our approach has been that the second division is great value if you want to get into pro football in your city um, and you have a long-term outlook where you're investing in, um, like we are, in infrastructure and youth, and you're not bothered by whether other clubs are maybe spending more uh, than you are. You're just sort of committed to your vision, and you continue step by step. Um, it doesn't make the other clubs wrong. You know, yeah. uh, there's many ways to go at football challenges, commercially and technically. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think that's what makes football so interesting. Um, you know, uh, from the attitude of uh, owners around the world to the um, the viewpoint of off the field technical um, administrators to the on the field tactics. There's no right. There's no one way that is proven to be successful. So it's um, interesting to me when you say uh, it's yeah. great value. Uh, at a time when uh, you know 99% of the teams uh, in India are losing money, even uh, the the biggest ones. So how do you make it valuable, uh, especially at a second division level when there's uh, you know hardly uh, much ticket sales or sponsorship or eyeballs? See, if if football was such an easy prospect of being a profitable business, mm. the cost of clubs would be a lot more. It would yeah. be a much more expensive sport to get into, and a lot more people would be investing in it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the nature of any industry. Once somebody is making money in it, more people get interested in investing in it. It's largely, uh, unless it's some of the leagues in Europe, which have proven, you know, obviously the Premier League is the big one, unless it's a very successful commercial model already, many sports leagues around the world, uh, you're playing a first of all, a desire to invest is based on a passion. And economically, you have to play for some kind of capital appreciation that you're expecting. Um, now, in the second division, why would I say that? Is Again, it goes back to your reasons for investing. Every investor has different reasons for why they're investing money into football. If someone's primary concern is commercial, uh, the second division may not be a good decision. Uh, mm-hmm. If your primary... Uh, view, which is what ours is, was, okay, we want to bring football, uh, we want to develop football in Hyderabad, so what are some of the ways we can do that? And we want to offer a pro football pathway, and we want to become a club that's in the community and in the city and becomes identified with Hyderabad and with sort of our region, Andhra, Telangana. Then, okay, what's a a cost-effective way we can invest into that in the second division? Yes, it's low eyeballs. Yes, it, it has its issues from a marketing perspective. But the fact is this. Today, we're a pro team. I don't think there's anyone who's in pro football, at least, or in academy-level football in India that hasn't heard of Fatah Hattabad. Mm-hmm. Now, it hasn't come at the price of some of the other leagues that when you have to invest, which is, you know, maybe for us and what we're trying to achieve and the timelines we have. Yeah. Uh, it's good. We've gone from finishing last and being the worst team um, to finishing fourth. And had we had a little bit, uh, a few things go our way, honestly speaking, we might've finished second. Yeah. Um, the, 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 
table is a lot closer than the points are showing. And I, I said that last year when we finished last. We were a lot better than what the table was showing. So I didn't really feel like I had to change our model dramatically. And now um, to go back to the business part, here's the thing. What are the primary revenues that a football team can get? One, you know, in a really successful pro league, there's television revenue yeah. from whoever has bought the broadcasting rights. That's usually the biggest share of revenue. Yeah. Then you have ticketing, sponsorships, merchandising. Mm-hmm. Okay, And a smaller amount might be from training uh, and services. Okay? Yeah. But all of these revenue st- streams are very weak in Indian football. Yeah. Even uh, in the ISL or I-League where you can sell tickets, um, they're not enough to meet your cash flow requirements by any means. So one thing that the second division has been good for me is it has forced me to think about what would it take and what do we need to invest in to be a club that can stand on its own two feet, let's say in the next six or seven years. And it, it was almost like a, a problem solving thing where the, the answer wasn't going to come to me immediately. I was quite sure of that. And I waited. I haven't, I didn't think, okay, this is it and I need to do this. I, I slowly just kept exploring and exploring and trying to think about ways to generate revenue. And there's lots of ways to go about it, you know, and we've, through a series of um, introductions and discussions and exploration, we found what we think is the right way forward for us. And that's the joint venture with the Premier Education Group, where we're going into schools and teaching physical education for kids as young as two all the way up to, you know, 17, 18 years old. Now, what this does is for us, number one, it makes our market a lot bigger than just football. We're teaching all sports. Number two, we're in the schools, so we're, we're dealing with a lot more kids than our club could perhaps physically call for training, and that too only for football. So now we're doing multiple sport. We're in the schools with kids. We're in our community, in our city, doing something that's generating revenue as a business. So, And the potential of that is so enormous, just demographically, uh, I don't need to tell people, you know, India's population is growing, and it's growing largest uh, at the youth age group. Mm. So it's a great segment to be investing in. That's why, you know, people are investing in education business um, uh, with, with greater and greater, uh, in greater and greater amounts uh, because it's a space that is going to continue, continually have demand. Mm. We see a pathway to our club standing on its own two feet. We see uh, the ability to be in the community and be a, a traditional football club uh, uh, to me is something that becomes a part of the, that city or that village's fabric. It's mm-hmm. providing something of value beyond entertainment. Yeah. Um, you're in the community, you're working with, with youth, you're, you're, you're providing employment to people in the community. Um, and then of course the last step is maybe the entertainment factor of a pro club and what that brings. Now, does that mean that if you're a franchise-based system with lots of marketing and investment that you're wrong? No, in today's day and age, that's very successful. But I think that largely you can consider football to be a very immature industry in India. And while all that maturity is taking place, uh, for us, if we can establish a solid foundation of infrastructure and a solid business that's generating revenue that's completely related to what we do as a football club. Mm. Okay, it's sport, it's physical activity, it's impacting children and, and helping uh, children understand uh, how physical education and exercise and activity can be to their long-term health, confidence, happiness, and to help children discover what they like in physical education. Um, then I think we're setting ourselves up to do more and more in the future and be sustainable as a football club. Um, and while that's going on, perhaps the market, obviously the market will continue to mature and develop. And we'll be able to see the direction that the commercial aspect of professional football is taking and unfolding. Remember, this is a huge country. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to be one and a half billion people in a, a decade or a decade plus. I mean, it's, uh, 
it's not uh, uh, like 20 or whatever, 30, roughly 30 nationally pro teams are necessarily going to be consuming all the demand and desire to football. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot more to happen, um, a lot more to unfold, and we're just going step by step, day by day. We'll go step by step all the way to the top uh, in our discussion. But first, one thing I sort of want you to address is uh, that when you see, you know, communities uh, like in Goa or Kerala or Bengal or Northeast, the communities that already have a inbuilt passion for football and a history with the game, it's easier for to see a kid, you know, try to pursue a career in football. Right? And that is definitely not the case with Hyderabad, unfortunately, uh, or, or Andhra Pradesh or Telangana for that matter. So it's it's uh, how do you sort of try to uh, bring that into uh, into that community or, or the or the uh, cultural zeitgeist of the state uh, as a football club if you're trying to uh, develop the sport in that area or you're trying to encourage more and more local players to come out through your academy efforts or somebody else's how do you do that well well it, it, here's the thing. You, you don't try and tell people that you should be thinking of playing football just to become a pro. That's the big mistake because professional football anywhere in the world is a, is a very steep pyramid. Yeah. I mean, just, just take a look at India. You have, if you add the second division, uh, the I league and the ISL, uh, and let's just leave out any expansion for a second. You have eight plus nine, 17 plus 12 teams. You have less than 30 teams playing in a national format. And keep in mind, all the leagues are more or less seasonal. They're not year-round yet. Yeah. So if you take, and they're not operating in parallel, which you know has been a point of contention with media headlines lately. So if you, if you figure out the number of players, I mean, across these 30 teams, maybe it's four to 500 players, maybe less. Yeah. But there might be millions of kids playing football. Yeah. So... If you if you dial that down to the Hyderabad city level, the majority of kids who play football are not going to turn professional. There, first of all, there's there's not enough pro jobs as a player. Two, um, it it really takes a special level of talent and ability to be a professional football player anywhere in the world. Yeah. So what happens to all the kids who try it? And then you know what is their alternative? So you know I think we need a a bit of a rethink on this. And my views are maybe, I don't know if they're, they're slight, I don't know if I call them radical, but I do challenge conventional thinking. I don't believe that there is a scientifically proven way to develop a pro player. I think it's one of the most cost inefficient processes in world sport. Uh, if you look at the dropout rate in academies in England, it's, it's, it's been discussed extensively by a lot in the game that a lot of money is going into academies, which if you take it per dollar player produced per dollar, you're, you're losing a lot of players along the way that you're investing in. So I think we need to rethink in terms of what it actually takes uh, for a pro player to make it. And what type of role does a club have to play in developing that talent? And what is our responsibility to kids? I mean, right now, clubs, what do they do if they think your kid isn't good enough? As young as age 12, maybe younger, they'll tell kids you're not good enough right now. And then what do they do to the kid? They just give up on the kid and they don't know what's going to happen to him. Um, maybe some clubs, you know, they stay in touch and they find out later the kid, they bring him back because he's improved or he's reached a level where they're more confident in uh, bringing the player back. But ultimately, right now, the clubs have... No, no responsibility or anything expected of them. Now, I thought they had the God, you know, we want to be in the community and we want to offer all kinds of pathways to success. And it doesn't just have to be as a pro player in football. Could be another sport that somebody may love football, but they may be excelling at another sport. Mm. And what factors do education have to play in that? I mean, I have players, uh, I've seen players in the second division who I doubt will make it to even the I-League. And some of them do not have a good background in education either, uh, nor would it be suitable to place some of them in a conventional job. So what do you do with players like this, and what's the responsibility you have? And I think all that needs to rethink. And I thought that, you know, 
we're trying some things that are different. Hmm. So what what is the uh, alternative that you uh, you know what do you entice a player with or what do you encourage a player with uh, you know if if they are choosing to uh, you know devote a high amount of time and energy behind the sport with this kind shouldn't of have to entice, yeah. well that's the thing I mean shouldn't have to entice a, a, a youngster with anything except their desire yeah. to achieve their goal. And but I'm I'm actually talking about convincing the parents as well because it's it's not their decision uh, a well, lot of the time. Well, see, here's the well, yeah. I mean, the, well, I just gave you an example. If I if I was telling the parent that you know I'd like to work with your child or I think your child has talent or something something's there that we think we can work with them, the big thing I would tell the parent is you know even if it turns out that your child isn't good enough to make it pro or even continue at an elite academy where it's extremely challenging and it can be stressful. Yeah. Not just going to drop your kid. We have a multi-sport platform. And, you know, I think that the whole angle of why, this is where it get, I get back to it, of why are you investing? Yeah. Um, and what are your goals? You have to really think it through. I mean, I get a lot of people who call me and the only thing they want from us is help on the elite ladder solution. Always it's the elite ladder. Yeah. But, the majority of kids are not elite players uh, and are not going to become elite. Or even if they are elite, even after they ach- achieve an elite recognition at under 13, under 15, under 8, they're still not making it to a pro contract. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that you entice... Uh, I know in football there's payments, there's parents who are being given jobs, there's all kinds of things going on. At youth level, it's become so competitive in Europe. Uh, but I think if the child really loves football and they have uh, ability and they've shown that and they have a desire to succeed, there shouldn't be any enticement required. It's something that they have to explore and they have to commit to with total faith and they have to say, you know what, as long as I gave everything I had, and yes, I've educated myself and I've explored and I've learned how to set goals and achieve them, I've learned that life has physical aspects, mental aspects, emotional aspects. And when those three can be uh, healthy and and working in unison, I can be successful in anything I choose to do. And if I have a good education, nothing can stop me from achieving a new goal, even if it's not pro football. Then I think you've got a healthy attitude and the right expectation towards it. Mm. So you talked about uh, elite recognition being such a huge priority in football. Uh, So is... Fateh Hyderabad going for a elite recognition for itself uh, because there was a rumor that uh, you were about to pick up an ISL beat uh, up in the last month at some point. Was there any truth to that? Uh, no, we didn't pick up a bid and we did not bid. Uh, did we talk about it? Yeah, our our partnership group has had many discussions and for various reasons. We're always assessing the business and mm-hmm the organization and what are our goals and what are we trying to achieve yeah um, this time, um well I did see that Hyderabad was included in the cities that they want to consider which I think is fantastic I think uh, whether or not it'll be us one day or someone else I, I do think Hyderabad uh, is obviously showing that professional football and football in general is feasible here mm. so that's a good sign uh, why are, are, are we sticking to our current plan? Simple. Uh, we just think that we still have uh, a bit to learn. And like I said, right now, my focus is on uh, our joint venture and how to help that blossom and make a difference. And one, get out in the community, get out there with kids all over our city. And uh, two, build up our infrastructure. We're building our home ground out, which is a big step. And focus on that while we ply our trade in the lower divisions. And then we'll see where we go from here in the future. We're we're taking um, the slow, long road at the moment. Doesn't mean that we don't trade up or step on the accelerator at some point along the way. So you just mentioned you're building up a new stadium. Where is it? uh, And uh, like, what what kind of uh, infrastructure do you have in mind? Turf, natural grass, uh, the capacity, and what, what level of football are you building it for? Well, we're starting with a, uh, a natural grass. And, and I say that because I, we, we've seen uh, that turf is great because the maintenance is low. You don't need a lot of water. 
and these are generally challenges in, in India. Uh, but um, I look at uh, some of the long-term effects on the body that I'm seeing um, and just anecdotal discussions with a lot of our players playing on turf every day does can have a negative impact. And, and you know, right now I think if we look at what's best for, for us, it's, it's definitely natural grass. I'm not yeah. saying we wouldn't add turf later, but I don't want to add an AstroTurf until we can add a really high-quality uh, carpet and, and sub-base, which are such an important part of an AstroTurf lasting long and, and being good to play on. And that's pretty, pretty expensive. So we're going with natural grass, um, and we're making sort of a mini kind of stadium that I think is suitable to uh, our club's needs at the moment for the second division. So... How uh, you know you you seem to have a very uh, you know uh, well suited slow growth process uh, economically I'm saying uh, and uh, you know you're you're adjusting your uh, ambitions to fit that. What happens if you win the second division next season and you have to play in I League, or if if there is a chance for you to come into ISL? Does that do? You, what do you see that? Do you see that as a you know sudden opportunity to you know jump forward, or is that you know a possible hindrance to the sustainability that you're trying to build over a long time long time period? No, I don't think it's a. Uh, I, I would look at it as an opportunity, and I wouldn't look at it as a hindrance um, at all. So you know you have to have yeah. some ambition. I'm, I'm sitting here telling you we're on the slow and steady path and we're fine with that. But at the same time, if you don't have some ambition within the club, then, you know, uh, I think that your, your purpose gets diluted, your motivation, the, your, your reason for going and, and doing all this loses a lot of steam and weight. So there's got to be ambition. And, you know, if it's a hindrance, I'd say it's one of those situations where someone, where I would say it's a good problem to have. Yeah. So it's, I'm talking in the sense that uh, right now you have a first team budget of less than one crore probably. And uh, you have a, a system where the ISL is paid and ISL is probably going to be the top division uh, appointed over the next, uh, at least, you know, within the next two, three years, it seems. So right now they are giving uh, 18 crore per to every team, right? So is it is it feasible or is it uh, advisable for a club like Pateh Hyderabad to jump from one crore or two crore or three, three crores all the way to 18 crores? And, no, uh, sure, it could yeah. be at some point. I, I, I mean, everything's a magnitude of relativity. It's still largely the same work inside the club. It's just a different magnitude of resource. But again, the job is the same. Um, and for, for us, I would think that there's pros and cons of doing things the way we're doing them. Yeah. Uh, the con is it takes time. It's slow. And along the way, uh, while you're learning very valuable lessons uh, that are inexpensive, there is a lot of pain and sacrifice along the way. And there's the risk of the market continuing to change mm. while you're you know, carrying out your plan. But the, the pro aspect of it is this. Um, you're certainly a lot more prepared uh, to take bigger and bigger decisions. I mean, I've seen what happens when people who don't have a lot of experience jump into something. It could be any industry because they have a desire to do something. And the lessons are quite expensive because you don't have the experience. So naturally, you may not take great decisions. Mm. So the advantage for us is, you know, when our time comes, uh, we'll be ready. So being ready, uh, how ready would you be in terms of uh, infrastructure if uh, you are supposed to, you know, if you gain promotion to the top division and uh, that happens over the next five years uh, and probably by that time it would be ISL. So how, how much would you be prepared uh, in terms of infrastructure? Would you have a stadium prepared to host ISL matches, which is, you know, usually it's seen as a much uh, in a bigger quality infrastructure that you require for it than second division or I-League. Um, well, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, you have in, uh, if you look at some of the ISL cities like Apuna, for example, I don't think their attendance is particularly 
top notch. It's a huge stadium, and the stadium slightly outside the city. And I think that's a general problem for Puna, right? So, yeah, where uh, some places, you know, are getting whatever ten, fifteen thousand fans, and then you have the big numbers in Kerala, Northeast uh, attendance. So, a lot of it depends on what kind of atmosphere you're creating. A city like Hyderabad. Uh, when I look at the infrastructure, there really isn't a great venue for football mm. in the city right now. And to me, um, considering various factors, I think the best uh, approach is an intimate ground. And to me, that's you know five to seven thousand fans. And I, I don't think Hyderabad is the kind of market uh, uh, where if you're expecting fifty thousand fans to come out, it's going to happen yeah. regularly. Yeah, you know so. Uh, you know, we're we're going to create an intimate atmosphere, and um, you know, go step by step. So, step by step uh, is the mantra for Fateh Hyderabad. What what improvements do you see in the in the team over the last few years? Is there uh, you know is the academy starting to bear fruit? Are there any players you are like very excited about coming out of your grassroots or academy uh, efforts that may play for you in the first team uh, in the coming seasons? I wouldn't say so, but uh, yes, but we are, you know, obviously having your own ground, you can do a lot more. And our, our under 13, under 15, under 18, our island teams are going to become year-round now. Yeah. And uh, I would expect improvement from, you know, what have been uh, not-so-great performances uh, the last few years. But then again, I, I still caution everyone that there is still this problem of age cheating going on Uh, in these youth competitions. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm just telling you anecdotally, when I see our team go against some of these teams, it's almost a joke. So having adjusted for that, I still think our teams will be better going forward. Three examples I can give you that, for me, and why I keep saying this whole player development structure uh, and mode and why I'm questioning it. You know, We have three players that thought they had to go out in our second division team uh, Cal, who uh, was 16 when he came to Fateh, uh, Bonnie Sun, who's 17, yeah. and Shivan, who I signed when he was 15. And these are three players who never played elite football their entire life yeah. before they came here. Now, Cal has been in the under-19 camp two years in a row now. He's down there again. Uh, didn't quite make it, um, which may be a fair decision. He might be a little bit still kind of out of the the main 18 or 20 players they want to work with. Maybe he'll push in this year. I don't know. He had a better year this year. Bonnie Sun was invited to the under-17 national camp. Uh, you know, got cut at the last cut. Um, it's pretty pretty good for a player who's, you know, his elite-level football training and experience is about a year and a half with us. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Shivan, who's 17, and, uh, you know, he... He he received the, the, the most improved player award for our club this year. Um, okay. And he's a kid who just has a very good technical ability with both his feet, but he's very small. And to be fair, I don't think there's too many Ivy teams that would have picked him up. Yeah. Uh, but he's clipping at the heels of Cal and Bonnie in terms of his ability. Now, now are these three players absolutely going to be national team players? I, 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 I We don't know. Um, are they... Obviously, national players, no. Um, but what did we do? We brought them in. We put them against older, more mature, physically and technically more capable players in training every day. Yeah. So you're in high-intensity training against better players. You're eating a decent diet. And in the case of Bonnie, Son, and Cal, we've given them a lot of games, meaningful minutes against second division teams. Now, yeah. everyone who's telling me that the problem is coaching, the yeah. problem is this or that or the other thing. I have to say, anecdotally, I'm not sure I agree with that because, you know, even if you look at players, and we have, I think we have five players from Moneyball. If you look at how much talent's coming out of the Northeast, and if you ask the people running the clubs in the Northeast what they think about coaching out there, whether it's particularly spectacular, nobody's going to say that the development of Northeastern players being so great is because of the coaching. I've never heard that. And I've asked a lot of people about it. So what does that mean exactly in terms of what it takes to be a pro player? That's why I'm questioning and I'm asking the question about maybe we need to rethink, Mm. you know, maybe it shouldn't cost as much money as some people are putting into it to develop a player.
and maybe the models that we have in mind um, don't need to be as complicated as they are. Yeah. You know? So, you know, tied to the issue of coaching is that uh, you had an experience of coaching the team uh, as well as owning it. And uh, some people sort of see it as a bit contentious. Should the owner be on the bench uh, <laughs> or, or how it should be? So how, what has your experience been like? And uh, has it... Has it uh, given you uh, some valuable lessons uh, or, uh, you know, helped you? Has coaching helped you uh, in your capacity as a team owner in some way? Absolutely. Okay. And it's not like I'm coaching without qualifications or ability. You know, I was, uh, you can ask Savio, who took our B license course, you can ask him who were the two best students he had. And other than Pradyum Reddy, who basically could have a pro license if he wants it and has been a great mentor to me, uh, I... I don't think I'm being boastful by saying I was the next best student he had. Um, so, uh, and I've had the chance now, I've had to work with some players who played, you know, AFC Cup uh, in Cortage and Montpellier. Um, they played as I-League champions on teams uh, and have played youth-level national team, all these guys. So I'm sure I can hold my own. How has it been as an experience and uh, was it the right decision? I, I say yes because, you know, for me, the game is at the heart of everything. What happens on the pitch uh, is at the heart of why we're in the game, you know. Mm. And understanding players, understanding Indian football at that level has helped me understand what I think we need to do as an organization on and off the pitch to be successful. And uh, am I going to do it? Uh, next year, I don't think so. I'm not so sure. And I never intended to do it. Even when I started doing it, it wasn't my desire, uh, to okay. be honest. Uh, but I felt like, given our resources, it was the right decision. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's certainly going to pay off because I know what we require as a club to go forward in any coaching member of the staff, whether it's the first team coach or it's within our academy. Um, we have a very clear vision of what we think we need to do with our resources and how we need to develop football for the club. So, uh, you know, coming back to the path forward, uh, there's a huge contentious debate, perhaps the biggest, uh, most heated topic today uh, is whether or not after the restructuring of leagues is done, uh, whether it should be an open league system or a closed league system with uh, franchise fee arrangements and everything. So, as a second division club, when you're looking at it and you're seeing a possibility that the direct path to the topmost tier uh, of the league pyramid, it, it may close. Uh, so, how, how do you react to that as somebody who belongs to a second division club? I don't think anybody, even a, a somebody who's in the first tier now, will disagree that... Uh, in terms of sporting criteria, everybody would like to see an open system. I, yeah. I, I don't think um, it's value system. Mm. Um, but I understand the arguments for both. Um, when you've invested the kind of money that ISL owners have, you can understand that they'll feel that their investments have to be protected because if one guy's paying a fee and has created all that value and now all of a sudden someone else can come in via promotion and uh, say, for argument's sake, they don't have to pay a franchise fee and have not been subjected to all that investment cost previously that the current owner is obviously from issues that he feels that that's a real devaluation of his business plan. Now, the other side of it is I think we're already in a closed system. And that's why, you know, I took some criticism from people when I said I thought that the merger pathway they presented was okay. Uh, Because for me, right now, the ISL has the better part of the calendar. Uh, It has more promotion, right? And obviously, it's more attractive for the players. uh, And and it's a better better product. Um, Mm. The I-League's been pushed back to the later months of the calendar. The second division, we're not even able to uh, televise our games. This year, they, they did, it was very, very nice. They, they, they online streamed a few of the matches, which was good. But if you looked at what they proposed to bring us all under one sort of banner uh, and offer more identity and more promotion of the two options, I thought that was better. Now we're heading towards, I don't know, uh, 
a sort of parallel existence, I think, my senses. And I'm not so sure uh, a parallel existence with two different identities is better for us, given the system is closed okay. for the time being. Um, that being said, uh, I, I did see some information that they're going to appoint the commission. And, uh, I think uh, I haven't done the exact economic analysis, but um, I'm pretty sure across industries, including sporting leagues, we'll find that um, leagues that have an open system have um, arguably more value uh, in the industry top to bottom. Mm. Now, that's a that's just a, uh, a hypothesis I have. I've not done the numbers and analysis so far. And, you know, uh, of course, when people talk about the Indian Super League and the I League, they're often comparing to Major League Soccer in America. Yeah. It's a very similar situation. It's a close system. Uh, the league was largely supported by the Anshul's family yeah. uh, when it started. Uh, obviously, there were heavy losses along the way to making it a sustainable um, um, offering, um, and, and we know that Manchester City paid, I think, a hundred or hundred and fifty million dollars fee to MLS to take the New York uh, franchise. Mm. Um, and of course, that hundred fifty million—it's it, not like the league hadn't had significant investments. So they wanted to get some money back, and so the, the closed system has served them. Uh, through this period, but there's still a lot of people who feel uh, in a country like America, an open system will make um, the league much more valuable all across the table. Um, so I see both sides of it. I don't have uh, what you know, the exact answer is right. I understand when you put money from your pocket, you know, you want to protect your interests. So I can understand uh uh, an ISL owner's viewpoint. I also can understand the legacy clause viewpoint. You know, Goa, and I've said it before, you know, Goa and West Bengal. Listen, when nobody wanted to invest in Indian football, these were the, the people who were carrying the sport. So to be told, hey, you're going to get relegated now, and there's no real basis for it. It's just a commercial basis. That's hard uh, to swallow. I get that. And if I had been investing for 20 years or 30 years and someone said that to me, I'm sure I'd be seeing things from their lens, mm -hmm. you know? I can understand that. So it's a, it's a real challenging quagmire. If I offer uh, an opinion, whether some people may not agree with me, uh, in India now, you know, I've been living here maybe better than 16, 17 years. Um, and I, you know, we're not, as a society, we're not always very collaborative and into the collaborative model as being the best way for everybody. So we're asking also, you know, we're asking something where it's not completely a natural thing to do that, you know, make the pie bigger for everybody. And I, I say that seeing a lot of the contention, I'm seeing a lot of the headlines and it's, it's emotional, but, you know, saving face is also a big part of politics. Um, I'm not sure anyone's getting that opportunity with what I'm seeing here yeah. either. So, you know, uh, the only thing I say about FUPA is, you know, we're, that's why, again, I go back to why I've invested in this joint venture and why I've sort of readjusted our plan is, you know, we want to be insulated from things that we can't control. Mm. And it's not in my control what, the parties are going to do. We're, we are a, a stakeholder in it uh, until a lesser, we're a lesser of a stakeholder than the ILE clubs and the ISL teams and the Federation, but we are a stakeholder. Doesn't mean I don't think we're important, but what I think is we don't have as much influence over what's going to be decided. And as a club, we want to sustain and we want to endure and we want to keep developing football. So the extent to which we can be prepared to deal with either scenario, open or closed, um, is what's important. And how, how have we thought that through is what's important. And I think we've really navigated it very well um, so far. And we have to continue to navigate that. So I'll ask you a, a you know, rather straight but hypothetical question. And it's not just related to Fateh Hyderabad, uh, Indian football in general. Do you think it's possible for a 
club that has an annual budget of 20 to 30 crores uh, to be self sustained at this point in indian football uh i well listen i don't have the privy to the numbers of clubs who are spending that right now mm. um i do like the product of the isl i think you know it's clear that it's more marketable and uh, the only way, though, that I think a club who's spending that is going to be profitable is if the TV money uh, justifies it. Okay. That's the only way. I don't see ticketing, sponsorship, and merchandise. Uh, when you take sponsorship, I mean, let's just remove TV sponsorship from it. I mm. don't think those three can get you there. I think you need, and I don't think it's some great conclusion I'm choosing here. I think it's quite obvious to anybody who's looked at sports investing to know that what's the most valuable thing? It's the content, and it's live content. You know, live content is why sports are so valuable right now across the globe. Uh, um, increased, you know, it's like live news. I mean, these are the two things that are uh, getting the most investment in terms of live content. So, um, you know, hopefully football is that valuable to a television broadcaster who's, you know, ready to pay premium for it, like the, the IPL, you know, the majority of that income is, is broadcast revenue. So that's what I think you need to hit the 20 core number uh, from income. I, I believe that. I could be wrong. Um, um, if I am wrong, then there's a lot more people who should be investing right now. Yeah. So do you see, uh, you know, as, as uh, I'm just, this is the last question, uh, a crucial part of the vision that IMG Reliance presented for Indian football in their original uh, uh, roadmap uh, that they proposed last year, it was that by a certain uh, amount of year, let's say in the next five or ten years, they need the club number of clubs to grow at all divisions, right? Uh, you know, whether it's uh, ISL I League or whether it's ISL League One, League Two. Uh, across all the divisions, they need the numbers to go to 50. And and when the teams increase, uh, the, the participation from investors and uh, communities and cities uh, grow wider, that would be a benchmark of success of uh, what they're trying to implement. Do you see that kind of enthusiasm and possibility there in, in football? Do you see the possibility of that kind of expansion? I mean, if you're asking me to... Is the possibility there for that kind of interest in Indian football? I definitely think that we could easily have 50 teams if we really wanted it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, as it is, there's enough clubs. Uh, can they get the financing and, and will they have that ambition? I don't know. Uh, and to give you my honest answer about what I think uh, IMG Reliance's view is, uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm watching like everybody else. I would think, though... If you're a business person, if I look with a, a, a business hat, the most money has been put into the ISL, so they have to look out for that investment first. Mm. Um, and I think they're going to have to do that because you know owners have put in a lot of money, right? So you have to answer to them. And I, I would think they're going to protect that first before they worry about so much how many teams come in at the bottom rung. And, and and listen, that's okay, you know. I, I think that's completely rational. And, and and remember another thing, you know, this promotion relegation thing is going to, at some point to me it becomes important. Um, and I, 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 maybe not right away, um, but I'll tell you why. It goes back to something, you know, you asked me earlier, and I brought up the word ambition. Look, yeah. a country like America is... is it's, it's very wealthy. Obviously, per capita, it's, it's a much wealthier country than India. And the, the sporting culture there is far more developed, far more advanced. The, the commercial market is more mature. Yeah. And it's not a surprising development to me that other than the MLS, there are other football leagues that have teams that are getting 15,000, 20,000 people, and they're successful. Yeah. Okay, um, it, it, it was naturally going to happen in that kind of economy where football has become so popular. In India, uh, can you achieve uh, that kind of situation where there's two leagues and it's closed off um, and you have that kind of success? Well, you know, here's what I think. I mean, yeah, in the Northeast, if you had only a league in the Northeast, 
Okay. Uh, you and I both know, and, and many people in Indian football know, uh, you'll get absolutely amazing attendance at every single game. It doesn't matter if it's ISL, I league or B league or C league or D league. Uh, people love to watch football. They have a spectator culture there. But here's my caveat to the whole thing. Ambition is a real important thing. And, um, I, I've had the good fortune to visit England many times and, and, um, football is in the fabric of communities in England. And many people talk about how you feel the passion there. Yeah. Uh, the clubs going down, you know, all the league clubs down into conference, they're, many of the clubs, they're community oriented. They're, they're a part of their village or city or small town and they play a huge role. And, uh, that ambition to get promoted or that desire to avoid relegation is a big factor in um, driving the value and the growth and the desire of people putting in what's required to keep football alive. Mm-hmm. So I do think at some point that has to come into play. You know, in the second division, to be fair, if, if there was a third division, I mean, we should have been relegated based on our last year's performance. Yeah. So, you know, we weren't because there's no third division. Mm. But, you know, having lost, we had a motivation to come back. We still have some things to prove as a club. But let's say you get in the I-League and you win the I-League. Okay, well, what do you have to prove now? Okay, uh, Asian, continental competition. But if they set up two leagues going parallel, it's going to be very hard for you to hold on to the best Indian players. Mm. So how are you going to compete on the continent? Um, so, you know, at some point, I'm not saying now, maybe it's three, four years from now, maybe it's five years from now, maybe it's even 10 years from now. At some point, that uh, for me, that promotion and relegation factor becomes really important because it will kill ambition. You know, what's your reason to come back and keep doing it? At some point, it becomes a factor for us. I can say, honestly, right now, it's not the biggest factor because we want, right now, we're in a build mode. We're developing the sport in our city. We're, we're also trying to create a more hazardous identity for our club, you know? We want to feel more flexible. We're still in that process. So being at our level is actually an advantage for us right now. Um, we have time to do that. Um, but when we get there, you know, in a few years, um, this question will start to, to come up. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, it's been really good uh, having this long conversation with you and going really into the details uh, of the journey that Fateh Hyderabad is going and, uh, and the larger vision behind it. Thank you so much for talking to us. Hey, thanks, Jeep. All the best. Cheers. Yeah. Well, you heard the man, and that is indeed a great conversation in length, just like you mentioned. And I'm pretty sure I don't think anyone would not want to listen to this because it's just somebody. Yes. So what? I mean, it's somebody. But if if you're listen, <coughs> if you're still listening to this, thank you. <laughs> you're a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a great uh, one. I think uh, finally you must be relieved that you got this done. Yeah. You know, in the end. No, just just one of the things uh, that that always strikes me is that uh, you you know the real things hmm. uh, you know growing a sport within a community, hmm. investing in infrastructure to right. your uh, uh, to the scale that that you really need, and having that long term vision. These are things that Indian football really needs to grow. But the people who are at the top are not really focusing on that. The right. focus is somewhere else. So uh, it's it's really g- uh, good to hear these voices, and hopefully we get more people like him uh, you know, coming and talking uh, about the whole thing uh, in in the podcast uh, yeah, interview definitely. series. Definitely, I mean it's the interview podcast. We'll have definitely have more interviews uh, yeah. uh, and stories to say. Now that's all, folks. So just like Ranjit said, thank you so much for tuning into it, and uh, have a great day. Uh, have an awesome weekend and uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube then do the honors please like, share, subscribe to our channel you can also listen to us on Audioboom, SoundCloud and various other podcasting apps enjoy your weekend come back to us uh, we'll, our usual with our DFG football uh, daily show and that will be happening every day have a great weekend once again cheers excuse me brother 
एक्सक्यूज मी बोले मैडम मेन्यू में क्या है मेन्यू में सीन अनसीन है पॉडकास्ट है ऑन कॉस है साइरस है मेर इन इंडिया रीडिस्कवरी प्रोजेक्ट एम्पावरिंग सीरीज सेक्स वेक्स है आईवीएम लाइक है सिम्पलीफाइड है कीपिंग इट क्वेयर है टिंग्स एंड डेस्टिनेशन है माई नेबर सकरबर्ग है और द फैन गराज है आपको क्या चाहिए एक बार रिपीट कर देंगे क्या रिपीट रिपीट नहीं करता हम आप जाओ आई पे और सुनो ये सब या फिर डाउनलोड करो उनका ऐप सब आपकी उंगलियों पर